0: stay up to watch that game in Edmonton last night? Wow! Fun, huh? Looking forward to seeing your team get back to that someday? Yeah. Good thing they hung on to their coach. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out the Avs. Beat the Oilers 6-5 to in overtime on an Arturi Lekkinen goal. And they swept Edmonton. And they're going to proceed to win the Stanley Cup, as I've been forecasting since before this past NHL regular season even got going. They're that good. They're that loaded. They're also, to their credit, that's stable. Don't necessarily think of the Avs that way. Not in the way that you do, say, uh, the Lightning with some of their familiar names year after year, and John Cooper, of course, being the head coach. The way we thought of the Red Wings, remember, about a decade ago, with all of their familiar names year after year after year, and the same people behind the bench and up in the front office. Stability most certainly is not the way of the NHL. And this, despite the pretty glaring fact, the incontrovertible fact, that it contributes directly to championships. Yesterday, in Boston, the Bruins insanely fired Bruce Cassidy, who's had quite the run of success there with the Bruins, with an aging core, an older core than what the Penguins have, and with very little done to add to the supporting cast, if anything, Don Sweeney, the general manager there, made lots of lousy moves to dismantle what looked like it would be an encouraging supporting cast. Now, I don't care about the Bruins any more than you presumably do, but it is fascinating to me that the moment Cassidy was fired, eyes lit up in more than half a dozen NHL cities like, Whoa, Cassidy's available. We can get him to coach our team. And someone, believe me, someone will. The same way that Barry Trotz is currently taking a tour of what seems like one third of the league and is considered a viable candidate. To be the head coach, even of teams that currently have one. In fact, one of the first thoughts that occurred in Boston when Sweeney made this move was that he did it to, you know, like clear out the office before Barry Trotz shows up. Cassidy will be in high demand. Trotz already is in high demand. And you want to know what else they'll have in common? Especially Trotz? They're going to be really, really rich. If Trotz gets a job in Winnipeg, by the way, he's from Manitoba, and by the way, the Jets are owned by the richest man in Canada, he will in all likelihood set a brand new bar for what coaches in the National Hockey League get paid. And good for him. And you know what else? Good for the teams who recognize when they've got one, they pay them accordingly, and they treat them with respect, and they stick by them when things don't necessarily go their way. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I am of the belief that Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the NHL. I'm of the belief that he has room to improve. I'm also of the belief that he himself recognizes that he has room to improve. He is set when it comes to his system He is set when it comes to the standard that he sets for his players to compete within that system. But I've never once had a conversation with a man on or off the record in which he sounded averse to doing something that would tinker with a system or with a thought process or being open to suggestions that are made from either above or below him in the hierarchy. This is a head coach who, when things aren't going great with the power play, will simply invite Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust into his office with multiple chairs and say, fellas, what do we want to do here? No other coaches present, no locker room tirades that'll embarrass everybody in front of the group. Let's just sit down here. You guys are the ones who basically have to make the power play go. Let's talk about it. He's ego-free. To my experience, he's ego-free. He's also been tremendously and obviously successful. And no, that is not limited to the two Stanley Cup runs, although that was a heck of a thing in and of itself. Any coach or manager in any sport will tell you unflinchingly that the hardest challenge that they face is winning in a regular season, it's keeping players fresh and consistent and motivated over the course of a long season. When the playoffs come along, they can basically check off the motivation box without even trying. Why? It's the playoffs. When's the last time you heard a coach criticize his team after a playoff game for not trying hard enough? Been a while, right? Sullivan has found ways, created ways at times, to keep his team team not only motivated, but focused on what he refers to as the right way to play the game. He has them repeating this phrase endlessly, maybe in their sleep. His numbers will support that he is a great regular season coach who, when he had playoff caliber goaltending and playoff caliber rosters in a peak that was a little bit younger, was also that In the playoffs. If you want to cite one figure and do so ad nauseum as some sort of criticism of Sullivan, that of course being the four consecutive first round exits, and you don't care to recite any of the specifics that went into those exits, particularly the last two, which were flagrantly on either the performance of the goaltender or the injuries, plural to the top two goaltenders in this past round. The Penguins still were the only team to put up any significant offense against the Rangers. The Penguins still outplayed the Rangers by every available metric. And no, that's not an excuse or a participation trophy. It's just a fact. And all of that was in large part To the workings of this coach. The Penguins are lucky to have him. They can sit back this summer and watch these other teams fall all over themselves for Barry Trotz, Bruce Cassidy, John Tortorella, whoever else. It's just a bunch of retreads. But the Penguins have themselves a very, very good one, and they're fortunate that they do. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Kevin Kramer, who asks, do you think there's any possibility that the NHL takes headshots more seriously? I've had a lot of concussions myself, and the last one was over three years ago, and I'm still in a fog. This matter should not be taken lightly, but the NHL does. What will it take for this to change? Kevin, it's a grisly answer here, but someone's going to have to get very seriously hurt, if not killed. I say that in no way, shape, or form. To be lighthearted about it. I say that because I can't fathom what it'll take that hasn't already occurred, even just in these playoffs. If you saw the sequence last night where Gabriel Landeskog of the Avalanche kind of wrapped up Zach Cassian and sent him into the boards, and he ended up, Landeskog did, just getting a a minor after it was reviewed in Toronto, and you can say what you want about the particulars of one play. But if the league legislated out, hits to the head, or hits that cause a head injury, you would see such a profound change in the way the game is played. And no, not for the worse. There isn't hitting now. There isn't this this mythology that you can't take hitting out of the game. The hitting's already gone. Who hits, really? Who's left in the league that hits? Brandon Tanev and who else? Nobody. What's being taken out of the game? It's like when people talk about taking fighting out of the game. What fighting? Who's fighting? Evander Kane splattering Nazem Kadri into the boards and ending his season because rumor out of Denver is that he had surgery yesterday. That, as Jared Bednar, Colorado's coach, said after that game, is the most dangerous play in hockey. Why the hell is it still in the game? Really? How does Evander Kane get one game out of that? Notice I've made it this far through this segment without even once mentioning Jacob Truba, because I'm trying to underscore here that it's not just him. A lot of us in Pittsburgh have made it just about him. But these hits are happening everywhere. And they're injuring players' heads. And these dopes at NHL offices in New York, led by the lawyer who only sees and understands that he successfully fought off a mass lawsuit regarding CTE a couple of years back, and thus feels justified. It's okay, now we can just play with their heads again. Literally. Nothing is going to change their minds. Nothing. Until someone is very seriously hurt, paralyzed, or killed. There is no sport on this planet like this one that's this fast, that's this contained by hard surfaces, meaning the boards, and that has the players using lumber as potential weaponry. Okay, hockey kind of stands alone in all three of these categories. As such, it has to be legislated into the game, especially with all the knowledge that we have regarding concussions, as you referenced, but also the more advanced symptoms and degradation that can follow over the course of years, even a lifetime. What? 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 What could it possibly take? I have no idea. I don't I don't think that I want to know. I appreciate the question. I do, and I hope that you're able to battle through the situation that you described, and I probably should have spoken that right up front. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Going to do another one of these tomorrow, and I already know the subject, and I I think that you're going to find this one interesting.